0: Welcome to Tulip Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves children's books. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. Oh, an adult boy?
1: I don't know. A I think he is a almost a college student. One. I'm the mother of one college student. I'm
0: the mother of one college student. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer.
1: And I'm Margie Ozumet. And I'm mom to two boys who are nowhere near college. <laughs> I'm a middle school teacher, a former homeschooler, and a writer. And welcome to Tulip Mamas episode 53. It's fall, y'all. Woo, I am so happy. I know, right? I just um, broke out what my what my dear friend calls Floris. Florida boots and Florida boots are like fur-lined sandals because it's getting Uh, chilly here in New England.
0: Got you, yeah. My husband and I had to have little blankets on when we were sitting outside yesterday and I was so happy. This menopausal mama.
1: Loves a cool break, right? Oh
0: my gosh, it felt so good. I just kept saying, this feels so good. and He's like over there shivering under blankets and he's turning on the outdoor heater. I'm like, no, it feels so good. No, no, no,
1: enjoy it. We will (laughs) enjoy it. Yeah, I know. Um, and I keep like cracking jokes because it's about like, oh, it's like a hot flash. Oh, it's like menopause at soccer practice. And half of them are half of the parents are like, mm-hmm, and half <laughs> of them are like, what? Yeah, exactly. Us oldies will stay here because like one minute it's hot. But as soon as the sun goes down, everybody's shivering at like, you know, like mm-hmm. we all know what this is like. Not all of us, apparently. Some of us are still are still young and fresh. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go on a historical hayride today.
0: Mm, that sounds so much fun. I know. I hope they have spiked cider on our historical. Ooh, That's what we should have had. Right. We got to start coordinating drinks with our podcast. That would be really fun. All right. You know, historical fiction is my world. It's my jam.
1: I know and I don't understand why. It is so boring. I'm just saying.
0: That's why I love Europe so much because they love their history, but it's they're so steeped in it. Like horrible histories is just like after my own heart. I yes. love horrible histories. But I wish we had stuff here that in the United States that was more like that. Oh, the US, we can't poke fun at ourselves. We're it's too soon. Oh, I know. We're supposed to be like, They're really perfect. old. They're really old. They yeah. have time. We're
1: still <laughs> like teenagers. We can't like mock ourselves. That's we'll be, true. You know.
0: we still of people who are fighting to have history books show that we're perfect in every way so I guess right yeah we can't really
1: well we're not going to go on a political soap I know box, I was right? going to say
0: wait let's stay with my beloved historical fiction and be happy today with our cider and our hayride. I know I did
1: give you this one I would I would like the record to state that I'm giving you this one Thank I'm giving you. you this historical fiction because you know the world is not made of fat jokes and fat kid books so <laughs> I'm gonna join you on this fantastic voyage I made it through and I will share with you when we get to the to the pick 6 yeah. I finally figured out how I can find a place for me in historical Yay.
0: fiction. Yay. Well, I've been noticing that authors are getting really good about sneaking historical fiction in, you know, like stories within stories, you know, modern stories but have like family backstories. That are yeah, set, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: There's a lot of that now, too. I I'm agree. I'm so
0: happy. So at least they're figuring it out. Because, I, you know, you slap a historical fiction label on something and for some reason, no one in this country wants to read it. I don't get it, but...
1: I, and I think it, it's a hard sell for a lot of kids, too. It is. I think a lot of kids are like, snooze oh, rama
0: Which is so weird, because for the last, like, since we were kids, historical fiction has been pretty fun and exciting.
1: I mean, I did get into some um little house on the prairie i did like Well, and that. you've
0: got gary paulson and richard peck i mean richard peck's historical fiction stories yeah, are hilarious like as a kid you didn't oh no. i'm sorry
1: i was like i could do that and i could ha- i was really into like anne frank
0: yeah like
1: i had a i had a holocaust phase where i really wanted to read about world war ii you know like that was sort of my my jam but that's about it oh i gosh. kind of maxed out
0: everything's world war ii right now which we'll talk about a little bit later. which again
1: by. is weird it's come back around right well
0: hello we have not um, we have literal Nazis in our country. True story. So <laughs> true story. People need a little refresher.
1: Right. One of the most tragic things about historical fiction that I discovered yesterday or the other day while I was prepping for this show is that um the nineteen seventies are now considered historical fiction. And oh, that's traumatic to
0: me. Gosh. I thought I'm like, Are you sure? Isn't this still modern? Like, how yeah. is that historical fiction? Honestly, I had to Google that because I was in denial about it too, because I was I thought maybe there was some like historical fiction had to be hundred years or older or something like that. But there is Apparently
1: 50 is the cap.
0: And even then, like, I think if you wrote something in the 80s or 90s, it would still be considered historical fiction by modern kids, right? I guess so. There's no internet. I mean, we had no
1: cell phones, no internets, but I mean, I guess it just seems so, it seems like a harsh smack in the face. Yeah, Worse than when you hear like Def Leppard on the oldies channel or something. (laughs) No,
0: worse than when you hear it in the elevator as music. (laughs) Or,
1: yes, right, or at the grocery store. Like, when you hear your music at the grocery store, you're like, I'm a geriatric. Thanks. I'm so... So old. But I did have a friend who told me last night at soccer practice, I was like, I just feel so old. Like it's it's rainy and my my knee hurts. And this is how old I am because I cannot walk because my knee hurts, because it's rainy and my arthritis is flaring. And she's like, You think that's bad? I just had to invest in the uh, days of the week pill container. Oh, no. She's like, because I kept doubling up or totally forgetting to take my blood pressure medicine. So I was almost killing myself on a daily basis. So I had to finally like bite the bullet and buy the days of the week pill case. So I could be like, did I take it? I did. And she's only like in her 40s. So I feel good. I feel like, okay, we're all going downhill fast. It's a, it's a tough one. Oh my gosh.
0: I did that one night. I took my cholesterol medicine twice and I thought I was having like a heart attack or something. And then I realized, oh, I think I took like two doses of cholesterol medicine.
1: Oh my god! I'm so glad I don't. I mean, like, uh, thank God I don't take any drugs. I don't think I'm responsible enough. Sometimes I forget if I puffed my inhaler twice. Did I puff it twice? Did I puff it four times? Regardless, it just makes you breathe better. It's not going to do any like real damage. But yeah, I can't. I can't get to the point in life where I have to take real medicine because there's no way I'll have to get my
0: days of the week pill container. Mm.
1: Its is like the stories of old ladies.
0: Oh, my gosh. Film at 11. I know. I'm like, we're probably boring everyone to death. Like, oh, my gosh. Shut up. <laughs> we don't this care.
1: All about old ladies.
0: Hey, can we just talk for a minute about the queen? Can
1: I just yes. tell you, I was watching the news this morning and I... I've never been a royal watcher. In fact, I kind of go the other way. I know you're like a total Anglophile, but.
0: You know, I have issues with uh, monarchy though, I have to say. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I I hate, I just could care
1: less. I mm-hmm. think it's like a gossip problem. However, I always had a nice respect for her because she seemed very surly like my grandmother. <laughs> sort of like, this: my way or the highway. You all need to kiss my ring and mm-hmm. um, everyone sort of do what they need to do to make me happy. I feel nothing wrong with that. I'm fine with that. I plan to live that way as my grandmother did. Of course. You know? Yeah, especially as a mother of all sons. Anywho, this morning they were in they were in Scotland, they were showing how things were going in Scotland. And then someone somehow on the let it slip out that she planned it all. Oh, of course. She had planned all of this, what they were supposed to do. And I'm like, God, there's so much pomp and circumstance. I mean, people are like keening in the streets. It was insane. I'm like, (laughs) girl, but she's been like she was like 9,950 years old. I mean. really? Are we this sad? No, no, no. She planned all that. And I have a new respect because I think that right now I'm going to start planning my state funeral.
0: (laughs) You will bow to my dead body. (laughs) You will cry.
1: You will parade me through the streets. You will bring the beef eaters. You will do it all. And I think now I'm like, all right. All right. I see you, girl. I see you, sis. That was nice work. So I have a new respect for her now.
0: Considering the poor woman was basically in a, a gilded cage her whole True. life. <laughs> and she had a lot of time to think about this.
1: Just saying. I mean, I probably should start drawing it up now because I, I plan to live that long.
0: I kind of I mean, think it's funny now that she's gone. Everybody's kind of like, wah, wah, we don't want a king. <laughs>
1: right? That was the other thing we were talking about. Like, even New Zealand's like, we're out. Australia's like, sorry, I gotta go. All of the Caribbean's like, "Whoo, dodge that one. Sorry, Chucky, you're not my king. yeah charles is gonna have like five people that are like okay we'll take your team for baseball everybody else is on their own (laughs) we were scared of her you're nothing
0: all the politicians are like mad about it too because they think he's gonna get all involved and i don't know i just think it's funny
1: i mean he's no spring chicken either he's like 73 Hmm. years old i mean he's not gonna get involved the best thing that could happen now god strike me down if this happens but the best thing that could happen is if he doesn't make it that long, and then we put William in, because William's got a good head on his shoulders for the environment. He's He's got his mother's brain, I think. You know, He's got a very sort of um, worldview that none of the old monarchs ever have had. So maybe he will be able to make some make some changes or something, but really do they have any power? I mean, besides being on the the television all the time and my husband, God bless him, who has about like about an inch's worth of understanding of American history is like, why are they on news? Did we not have war to break up with them years ago? Why we cover them all the time. Every time I turn on TV, there they are. Did we not break up with them? Exactly. We did break up with them. I agree about, with you. Quite a few hundred years ago, we broke up with them. It's sort of like in new England we like to watch tom brady because he broke up with us. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the same thing. Like America is, likes to watch the monarchy because we're broken up. Just want to make sure that they're not doing better.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah.
0: I uh, one of my favorite memes was enough with this woke nonsense. Now we have to have a man for queen.
1: <laughs> Didn't I send you that? That was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. Now we're going to make a man queen. A hundred percent.
0: You did send that to me. Why do I keep forgetting?
1: I feel like you, you, it's like the boxed (laughs) wine from the last episode. You (laughs) forgot. I mean, I'm nothing to you anymore.
0: I know. I should just. I'm the meme queen.
1: I send you memes constantly. (laughs) I don't (laughs) even like send words half the time. I just send (laughs) the memes because it says everything I need
0: to say. I know. That's true. Oh, uh, yeah. So can't believe they're going to make a man queen. This woke nonsense has gone too far. That's the best one. True That's story. The whole thing. He's not
1: going to be a very good queen. His ears are too big. I guess if he gets the right the right drag wig, then maybe
0: he would make a very unattractive woman. Though oh he's my not, god, he's, he's an unattractive man. man.
1: I was watching something and they were like, back when he was considered the playboy of England. I'm like, that's the best you got. I mean, there's no Burt Reynolds. I mean, seriously,
0: <laughs> no Burt Reynolds. <laughs> that's it. He's like, mm. oh my mm. god.
1: I never would have found him attractive.
0: He's no Tom Selleck. My
1: kids are obsessed with Tom Selleck because he's on Bob's Burgers a lot. Like Linda on Bob's Burgers is obsessed with Tom Selleck. So my kids think Tom Selleck is like the funniest thing ever. He has a Tom Selleckian mustache. And in (laughs) Turkey, when we were in Turkey, they're like, oh, he's got a Tom Selleckian mustache over there. Well, everybody does. Kids, we're in Turkey.
0: Oh, my God. That's awesome. It's
1: good quality. Oh, my God. So anyway. I guess we should talk about books. We could talk about the Rave queen up. and complain about the, the monarchy all day, but I guess we should talk about books because that's what people tune in for. Yeah,
0: <laughs> not, not
1: to hear about our corns and hot flashes. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. I don't have any corns, full disclosure. I don't either. I'm not sure I know what they are. <laughs> kind of like bunions. I'm not really sure. Maybe if I saw them, I would know. I don't know. I don't have those either yet. Just a bum knee and arthritis
0: and cholesterol.
1: And cholesterol, yeah. Uh,
0: All
1: right. So let's get on the uh, hay wagon. Hey, hey, wagon. Get it? We're going to go on a historical hay ride. See, I'm going to do my extended metaphor keep that going. No? Okay. Um, I'm teaching metaphors in class. And I'm teaching metaphors in one of my classes because I think metaphors are one of the hardest things to identify. And P.S., still not sure I'm teaching it right. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I can do hyperbole any day. I can do similes any day. But metaphor, I'm like, is that a metaphor? You
0: just have to speak with authority.
1: Right? I do. I, I do. And there's sometimes, I had one of them, one of my kids the other day was like, um, I think that you are talking about, uh, what were we talking? We were talking about types of nouns. And he literally was like, he's like nine or 10, but he's advanced. Like he's at an advanced level. And we were talking about different types of nouns. And he's like, I think you're talking about concrete nouns. And I, oh, and that's an abstract noun, not, not a concrete noun. And I was like, bitch, please, I am old enough <laughs> to know the difference between a concrete and an abstract noun. Uh, cut to me turning to look at my notes real quick. And I, yeah, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right, oh right. Shut up. <laughs> but I did double check. <laughs> You know, grammar is not my jam, <laughs> and I'm constantly like, "This is probably why I'm going to get fired soon." Because I'm like, "Guys, yeah, grammar is like just a thing you have to use. it You don't need all that." Like, I, even like my tenth graders, I'd be like, "What does this mean?" Or like, "What is a modal?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I mean, you're like, "Like brush up on it before your SATs." So you don't need it now. Moving on.
0: <laughs> like, You'll never use it in a text. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, even like,
1: even like one of my girls the other day was like, "I don't even know how to say that word." I'm like, "Yeah, me neither." Look at me. I made it fifty years and never used it. You you don't need it oh well I'll be at the I'll be at Starbucks can I get you a latte soon
0: hey they have good health insurance
1: right right they're about to go.
0: unionize
1: I, I heard about that that's a big thing out here in Boston
0: all right so getting on the
1: hayride take your allergy pill take your Zyrtec
0: <laughs> let's get started
1: righty. So since historical fiction is your jam from Yay. the day you first cracked open your little house in the big woods, <laughs> why don't you get us started since uh, then maybe you'll give me some love for this genre.
0: I'll share my passion with you. Okay. There we go. All right. I read Yonder by Allie Standish and OMG. I love this book so much. I don't even ever say OMG. So anyway, <laughs> It came out just recently, 2022, and it's about the home front during World War II.
1: That's your sweet spot. You do love World War II.
0: I've read many, many a story set in and around World War II, adult books, kids books, all of them, including several that were set on the home front, like in the U.S. and England. So honestly, I have to say, I was not really expecting to be impressed by this book. Like, I And I, I wanted to read it, but I was like, oh, okay, I'll read it. And I was so wrong. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yes. It is so good. So the plot of Yonder is like so amazing the way Allie Standish did it. It's just fantastic. I could not put the book down. Literally like, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to read one more chapter and then I have to go do something. And then I would be like five chapters later and I'd be like, oh crap, I I was supposed to go do something. And the chapters are kind of nice and short too, which I love that because- I do too. you, You think, oh, it's only a couple more pages. I'll keep reading. But also it's just like, so the way she ends every chapter is like, oh my gosh, you have to keep reading it it's been a little while since I could not put a book down because we read so many books now that yeah. i kind of like past that wonderment phase, you know, yeah. but, but I, I couldn't stop reading it. Yonder is about Danny Timmons. Who's a young boy who struggles, he struggles with bullies. This is set right before World War II starts. And then one day he's, he's being beat up by his friendly neighborhood bully who gets him out all the time. And he, one day he's rescued by this older boy named Jack Bailey. And Jack has a reputation for being a hero in their small Appalachian town after he saved two girls from drowning in the great flood of 1940 that wiped out like half of their town. Hmm. Um, Now Jack is kind of become Danny's like personal hero. You know how that sort of, you know, early middle school, admiring like like a high school. Yeah. When I did um, Writers Club, we had it for middle school all the way through high school. And it was so cool because the high school kids were like so gentle and Helpful With the middle school kids and the middle school kids were kind of starry eyed about the high schoolers. Yeah. It was so cool. So that's kind of their dynamic. He becomes kind of like an older brother to him because uh, Danny is an only child at this point. His mom is pregnant through the story, but he's, he's still only child. He's around 13, I think. So um, Yonder has like so many themes. It's kind of hard to share everything that was going on. Is it a big book? Um, It was like 350 pages. Oh, so it's a bigger book. Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. It's like hard to share everything that goes on in this book. Kirkus Review said it was multi-layered and I was like, you're not wrong, girl. That's like, it is so <laughs> multi-layered. Okay. That's like a good way, easy way of putting it. You've got the details of the war is like coming through the wireless His dad and his mom both work at the local paper. So you're getting like just like snippets of what's actually happening in the war of World War II as it's getting getting worse and worse and worse. A lot of the men are drafted from their town eventually, and several of them have you know died and will only return to the cemetery Mm -hmm. you know the families who are suffering so that's kind of going on but then there's also all these home front issues that are highlighted in the book that are really fascinating from like um racism that has drives one black family from the land they've held since the civil war and that's all like historically accurate of things that were going on there there was prejudice against an elderly german woman in town because you know we're at war with Germany. So they, went, oh, right. You know, um, there's child abuse that's going on. Um, that kind of everyone sort of turns a blind eye to. And there's untreated PSTD from the first war that PTSD, uh, uh, untreated PTSD. Sorry, I had that <laughs> picture sex. dyslexia there. <laughs> uh, I know it's written right, right? Um, yeah, untreated PTSD from the first world war. Um, It's All this sounds like so heavy, but it's wrapped up in such a beautifully written and it's slowly doled out story about this boy growing up during this time period. I mean, he has like a paper route. He has a metal collection. I mean, it gave me that same kind of sad but beautiful vibes on level with like the whispers. Oh. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like that, like the whole story, just it's almost like you know how the whispers almost had like this fairy tale feel about it somehow. Yeah. That's kind of how this book is. Like it draws you right in just with this beautiful sort of fairy tale feeling of this small town.
1: It sounds like the characters are very rich.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. Holy cow. Everybody is so interesting and has so much going on, you know, and even like the bad guys are kind of interesting, although maybe they're the, like the most flat, you know, characters, but they're, but it's just the whole town has, it's just so rich. It's crazy. And, and like I said, everything kind of doled out slowly. So you're not getting like hit with all this really heavy stuff. One of my favorite lines comes from Danny's mother. She says, just because we live in a small town doesn't mean we need to have small minds. And so he and his mom spend a lot of time kind of talking about this, especially after his dad goes off to war and what it means in relationship to the war and what's happening in their town. But it's not like super on the nose. I don't know how to describe it because it feels like very authentic relation or conversation conversations that are happening in reaction to what's happening in the uh-huh. story. You know, so it's not like preachy because you know I hate preachy and this does not feel that way. It just was very authentic with the story. The plot is very complicated. It alternates between Danny's present and his recent past. But the way the book is published is so cool because it gives you physical clues. Like the chapter t- titles will say um before you know, and, and, oh, then, okay. and the way it's introduced is so cool. Everything's in present, Danny's present. And then all of a sudden he's, he gets knocked over in, in like a scene. And then it's like, he's falling back in time. And then it goes into the before and the before pages are even shaded, like in the, ink, oh. like there are gray shading. So you, they really stand out and you know where you are. And, and then after it's set up, then it kind of alternates back and forth. So I I know it's kind of a complicated plot, but I've, feel like kids would probably be able to follow it because of all these physical clues. So I don't think you need to be kind of an advanced reader or seventh or eighth grader to enjoy this story. Uh And in fact, like Danny's a little bit younger, so it kind of, but I don't know, it's hard to describe because there's so many adult characters in the story and then you have Jack. So really it could be for fourth to eighth grade, for sure. Even ninth grade.
1: How would it go? um, This is something that's my my new fascination because I found that a lot of books that you read are interesting but then when you read them aloud they're very hard to follow how do you think it would especially like this kind of setup that you're talking about how do you think it would do on a read aloud like a classroom read aloud or a bedtime read
0: aloud Um, I think it would be okay because first of all, the chapters are kind of short. And if you were like, you know, indicated as you're reading it aloud, okay, now we're going back, you know, this is the before. You'd have to give
1: them a hint. Yeah.
0: Yeah, You would say you would have to read the chapter title or something, give some kind of clue. Um, because in, if they're reading it themselves, then they can see the physical clues as to where you're at in the story. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think you would want to exaggerate that if you're reading it out loud, But it's so cool because she uh, every chapter has sort of like a cliffhanger, and especially when she's bouncing back and forth between present and past. So if you're in the present, she leaves you kind of with a little cliffhanger, and then goes back in the past. And it's usually kind of related to what is happening, like in the cliffhanger. Yeah. Give you some backstory kind of thing. Um, And, I mean, there are things that she leaves out, a lot of stuff in the beginning, obviously, because she's kind of slowly doling out the story. Um, But I didn't get confused by it. I would be interested to know like what a 10, 11 year old thinks if they get confused. There was only one spot where the main character mentioned something that happened. And I was like, did I read about that before? I don't think I've read about that. Or I don't think that's been mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And that was the only time. And then, of course, as you read it, you find out, no, he did not mention that before. And then you get all the information so I think once you get to the end and you have all the information, it all makes sense.
1: It sounds like it has like probably uh movie potential.
0: Oh, it's so amazing. Yeah. Because all the characters in the town are so fascinating and you, I, it's just, it's the whole world, you know, the whole world. And then it's so beautiful. And then what yonder is like the sort of beautiful fantasy story that Jack tells Danny, like I said, heavy, heavy themes, but again, kind of like with the whispers, like it's so rewarding and satisfying and beautifully yeah. handled that you don't.
1: It doesn't feel so heavy.
0: Yeah. And yeah. in fact, I think I would be quicker to give yonder to a kid than The Whispers, honestly, because The Whispers is like so sad. <laughs> I know, but we have dead
1: parents and that's probably why it's sad because that is a little boy who's lost his mom from the onset. So we,
0: we're we not good judges of that. Well, that's like, true. We, you know what
1: I mean? Like we were little kids with dead parents, so that's I true. think we're not very
0: good judges. Yeah. Like I couldn't read Bridge to Terabithia when I was a kid, you know, like yeah. that. I couldn't do that. But some kids can read that and be completely entertained and interested right. by it. So We were not those kids. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I would not compare Yonder with Bridge to Tarbithia. It's not that sad. And in fact, in the end, I was like, oh, that was much less sad than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so well, that's good. Yeah. 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 And so it kind of has like a hopeful, yeah, it's hopeful at the end. So not to give away spoilers, but.
1: That's good though. I think you need to know if it's a heavy themed book like that. You need to know that there's something that's...
0: Yeah, it's not as bad as it kind of hints at halfway, three quarters of the way through. It ends up much... Happier, perfect. All right. So, what did you read that has won you over to historical fiction?
1: Well, I got to tell you, this is a really good book. So, I don't know if I really like get swung over to historical fiction, but it was a really good book. And part of it maybe is because I'm very connected to it. So, I read "Show Me a Sign" by Anne Claire Lazat, and it actually it won the Schneider Family Book Award, which is an award from the American Library Association that recognizes the outstanding depiction of a child with disabilities in a book.
0: Oh, cool! So
1: that's, you know, like that's a huge coup. And once you read it, you're like, well, obviously there wouldn't have been any other choice. You know, this is a great book. <laughs> this book, unfortunately came out in March of 2020. What a terrible time for your book to be released. I mean, what you could not have picked a worse time for your book to come out um, because, you know, the world blew up in March of 2020. But it's been on my list for a while, and I wanted to bring it up to the forefront because this should be read. This is a book that should be read by many, many people because it's a very important concept. It's a very important history. It's a very important deaf history. It's uh, it's a great perspective. Let me start by saying, like, Anne-Claire Lazada is deaf. She's a deaf author. And so she has a very uh, authentic voice in our main character. Um, Mary Lambert is our main character. And Mary Lambert is also deaf. Uh, This also has a companion set. It's not kind of it's kind of hard to describe. It's not like a, it's like a continuation of the story, but it's picking up the story from a very different perspective. Hmm. So it's not like part two, part one, part two. It's sort of like, hey, these are the characters from the, that you met in the first book. Here's something that happened after they met in the story. Oh, okay. um, so that and that one just came out in last about a year ago in September of 2021. And that one is called Set Me Free. And you'll see them a lot together because they have sa- similar artwork on the on the front mm. cover. So the first one is Show Me a Sign. The second one is called Set Me Free. These books uh, both take place in ma So they both <laughs> take place in Massachusetts. Most of the book takes place on Martha's Vineyard. Um, it, it's kind of a, a vague sort of turn of the century-ish, maybe a little bit earlier. Doesn't really kind of tell you, but you know, they're they're English settlers. They're still having issues over land and things like that with the Wampanoag tribes that are native to Martha's Vineyard. So they're still sort of working things like that out. I would say maybe let's just say clear on 1800, somewhere in there. Martha's Vineyard is um, obviously it's off the coast of Cape Cod, for those of you who are not, you know, watching the news every day and get your weather on the Cape and Islands every (laughs) afternoon. Um, But so it's off the coast of, of Cape Cod. It's next to Nantucket. Right. So those are the two big parts of of, uh, the islands when we say the Cape and Islands, I guess. Mary's great great grandfather was one of the first British settlers to settle on Martha's Vineyard. He happened to also be deaf. And over the years, the deaf population expanded and there is an exorbitant amount of deaf people in this settlement. It's so much so that everyone signs. So there's sort of everyone, everyone signs everywhere all the time because so many people are deaf. To Mary, it's just that's how we're, that's how everybody is. That's how everything happens. Everybody speaks and everybody signs because, you know, you never know who's deaf. So it's sort of like a second language everyone has. She also has never felt like isolation or she's never felt like she was out of place or that anything was wrong with her. Her father is deaf. Her mother is hearing. Her brother is was also hearing. And we learned at the very beginning of the book that he was recently killed in an accident with a carriage. He got hit by a carriage driving fast on the road and he was killed. So her mother is still kind of a hot mess. Mary's kind of left to her, to her own devices and her father is, uh, you know, he's working on the island all the time. Mary spends a lot of her time with this old deaf fisherman that her mother forbids her from spending time with because he (laughs) drinks too much, but he tells the best stories and Mary loves to tell stories. And so this old deaf fisherman is sort of like her sort of adopted grandfather, right? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they kind of watch, you know, they're always at the Harbor and they're always watching boats coming and going and that making stories up about him. And then one day he tells her that a scientist is arriving on one of the cutters. That's going to be, studying why are there so many deaf people on this section of the island and so the scientist is coming and he wants to know this to which the deaf people are like why we were here what's the problem so they're not very open to this to begin with and they are also in a very sort of english settlement which is still what massachusetts is like today i might say as an outsider moving in it is a very um closed society Shall we say we're here? We have our thing. We know what we're doing. We're doing what we want to do. What do you want? Is sort of that's that's Massachusetts. That's New England. That's how all of New England sort of functions. We're not really going to let a lot of people in. So that's very much how the island is. At the same time, so when this young scientist comes, they're like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, that's nice. Enjoy. We're not really going to talk to you." Even though many people have kind of he's kind of tried to nudge himself in. It doesn't help that he's a total jerk face too. He's just a very pompous sort of jackassy kind of character that you instantly dislike. He's very, very rude to the deaf people. He treats them like animals. He says that they are illiterate, deaf, and dumb. He often uses the phrase deaf and dumb. He does this, and then he kind of is ignorant to the fact that even the speaking people sign constantly while they're speaking. So that's just out of habit. That's what they do. They speak, but they're signing at the same time. So all the deaf people are like, this one, he just called us dumb? Are you kidding? So he does not get off on a good foot. And it stays that way while he's there. Now, Mary got in a little trouble with one of her little friends. And so Mary's kind of like hiding out. And she and her friend, Nancy, Nancy is a girl after my own heart. Nancy wants to be a spy. So Nancy reads a lot of spy books, and Nancy would like to be a spy. So she and Nancy do some recognizance work, and they find out that what this guy is here for. First of all, Nancy, let's just talk about spying. Nancy sends the deaf girl into the house to do the spying, who then doesn't hear the footsteps in the hallway. For those of you who haven't been listening for a long time, my son is deaf, so I can make deaf jokes about the kid who doesn't hear things, apparently, because my kid does this all the time. And I'll say to my son, I'm like, why are you yelling for him? You know he doesn't hear you. You know he's not going to hear. This is sort of Nancy. Like, Nancy, sometimes she forgets that Mary's deaf. They find out, however, that what he's really, the scientist is really looking for is a live specimen. However, they don't really know what the live specimen is. And then we find out, and Mary becomes the live specimen. Wow! And it is such... A, a horrendous, horrendous journey after that, that takes place in and around Boston. The people of Boston are so horrendous, and Cambridge, and I mean, it really is just an amazing story. And you know, and I'm, and it's rooted in reality, unfortunately. And the assumptions that people make about her because she's deaf, the way that people just pretend she's, and the scientists pretend that deaf people have nothing to add to society because they can't hear, that they have no worth that they are literally just animals. And I mean, it's absolutely stunning. It's absolutely heart-wrenching to see that. And it's, I, you know, as the mother of of a deaf kid, I'm just happy that things are not that way now. Most people don't even notice he's deaf because he never stops talking until they yell at him 15 times. And finally he's like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So... It's a really great book. It's really, really great book. The beginning takes place only over a few weeks, but then it, it drags on for a really long time, which is when you're like, oh, my God, is there hope? And there was there was hope. So it does end on a better note, not a great note like some. So it's kind of nice that there's a companion piece because I want to read the companion piece to sort of find out more that Mary did OK. You know, that Mary's concert. OK. Yes. I want to know Mary's fine. It's just a really great book. And again, I'm totally biased because it does take place in the world that I know, in the world that I live. And the, these land disputes between the Wampanoags and the way that they treat, and it's a really interesting character that I wish there was more of, is there is a freeman who is a freed slave who is living on Martha's Vineyard, and he's married to a Wampanoag woman. And then their daughter, of course, is biracial, partially um, native, partially black. And the way that the the white settlers treat all of them. It's just like, Oh my God, are you joking? Like, how can you, how the, the racism and the just this vitriol that is sort of spewed by some of the people towards This man because he's black, but he is free. But is he really free? And his daughter, you know, because she's not Indian and you know, she's not one of the they kept, you know, like make that reference in the book, but she's also not black and she's not white. And what is she, you know? So it's super interesting. It's a super interesting read. It the thing that I like most about it, it gives you a very clear picture of that time period in this area. And you see so many similarities and things that still have not changed. And that's that's what's so, so interesting as well. And you don't have to be from here, obviously, to enjoy that. But just being able to see how the the indigenous people were just what horrible things were done to them. Just somebody just came in and said, hey, this is my land now. I don't really care. And I'm going to fight you tooth and nail until I get what I want. This is mine. I say it's mine. I came across a boat and this is mine and I will make this mine. That's a that's a downer
0: to me. That's why history is so important, even yes. in fictional form, so that yeah. we can see and it's not repeated, and we know and we understand how these things can happen, and so we don't let them happen again.
1: Exactly, and and I I think that for a, a lot too, I think it's really important that representation is so important because a lot of times we see very positive representation of people with disabilities, especially deaf characters, blind characters, things like that. Um, But in this case, it's like, hey, it wasn't always so. And not everyone is going to treat you the same way. And I think that's really important. And I think that that's that's a, a super important Um, thing for kids, especially kids with disabilities to know, to be able, I mean, they're going to know it soon enough, but I think this is a really great way to, to kind of say, everything is not, everybody's not always who they seem. It's about strength. It's about overcoming the hardship that it's about trusting people and not trusting people. um, And then just because your trust is broken in a lot of people, maybe there's that one person that you can trust. So I think Mm -hmm. that's, what's really interesting about the book. I loved it. You know what? I listened to a lot of it, but I also read, you know, like, as I often do read, listen to it and read it's a great audiobook and it's a great book to just read and it's a great book to read aloud I give it like 15 thumbs up
0: yeah I guess for yonder I didn't listen to any of it this time because I was so engrossed in reading it usually I do that too just get a flavor for what it does sound like out loud
1: and this too also has a lot of great cliffhangers at the end of chapters where you're like well I have to keep going
0: now (laughs) I need to know what's going to happen
1: yeah it was a good one Show me a sign and set me free. Both of those are by Anne-Claire Lizotte.
0: And I read Yonder by Allie Standish. All right. Well, that wraps up our book chat. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with this week's Pick 6.
1: All right. Well, since I have submitted and given you your moment of historical fiction, Thank you. I figure we should just go whole hog and make the whole episode historical fiction. Yay! So we're going to do six more historical fiction books for middle graders. Six more because those first two weren't enough. Oh God, what is wrong with me? All right. What do you got? You can go first.
0: Yeah, I get to go first. Okay. My first pick six is Daring Darlene, Queen of the Screen by Anne Nesbitt. Anne Nesbitt's a pretty well-known author. Uh-huh. Um, this book is set in 1914 and it's about sassy and adventurous Darlene, who is an actress in the Hollywood during the silent film era. The book begins with her wrapped in a rope and hanging upside down off a cliff for a stunt. It's the best. Oh my gosh, it's the best. So um, the story voice kind of reminds me of the whodunits from like a little bit later era in Hollywood film. It's kind of fast paced and spunky. And I was drawn to this book originally because I became obsessed with the early days of Hollywood film industry when I found out how many women had major roles in its creation. Of course. Oh my gosh, there were so many. It was very equal and well, the beginning days. And I went down this rabbit hole over the summer uh, learning about Mary Pickford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who Daring Darlene kind of made me think of her actually. So Mary Pickford was doing silent films during the same time. And she went on to co-found the Fairbanks Studios, which by the way, used to be called Pickford Fairbanks and United Artists. And she was also one of the founding members of the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts. So she was super important in Hollywood history. I know that her name is recognizable, but I wish there was more. I don't know. I just wish that it was like, she got credit for her her work. Yeah. Yeah, She's a huge developer. She, yeah, she was a big producer. I watched her fan on the cricket. It was one of her movies from 1915 and it was a silent film and her talent was just so amazing. I was just Blown away by it. And she, yeah, and she produced a bunch of stuff for most of her life. So if your kid has an interest in movies, I definitely recommend Daring Darlene, Queen of the Screen. It's this fun kind of mystery romp, too. So it's not just about the history, but it's like this mystery romp where um there's an heiress that gets kidnapped in our star, and she gets involved and has to solve the crime. And so this book just came out April of 2022. And it is such, I think it's totally worth a read. So good. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: Daring Darlene, queen of the screen. I like that.
0: Isn't that cute? And she's on the cover, like swinging from a rope. It's the best. It's just, and the, I mean, everything, the voice, everything is just so cute. My second historical fiction in pick six is cookies and milk. Oh, my gosh. I you love sent me this. This looks this. so
1: cute. You sent me a picture of this.
0: Look at the cover. is adorable. So cute. The cover is adorable. It's um, got cookies and milk with cookies as the O's and adorable um, African-American boy on the cover. And this book is so interesting. I can't even tell you. It's a semi-autobiographical historical fiction story about the first days of the famous Amos Cookie Company. And it's, nice. written, it's written by his son, the son of famous Amos, Sean oh, cool. Amos. Yeah. So it's just so neat. Um, It starts in 1976 in the Sunset area of Los Angeles. Our main character's name is Ellis, and he's looking forward to the summer. Um, it's the summer be- before he starts middle school, and he's like turning 12 and all that. And his father has this crazy idea to start a chocolate chip cookie store. Not any other cookies, just chocolate chip cookies. And he expects Ellis to help him. So Ellis is also dealing with his parents. Who were just recently divorced, and as part of the divorce, his mom has decided to take the summer and go back to New York, where they're from, and visit visit family. And she's leaving Ellis with his dad. He's turning twelve. Um, his father, Ellis's father, has also in the past had. Too many crazy schemes for him to kind of trust that this is going to work out. And he just wants to be free to ride his bike and have fun with his friends. And instead, his dad tasks him with doing the math for turning his standard cookie recipe into a recipe that can make like 200 cookies at a time. So the story starts with them like entering this rundown retail place on sunset boulevard which in the 70s was a little sketch yeah Yeah. but oh my gosh the story is so charming the voice of ellis is just endearing and incredibly authentic of course obviously since it's based on the author's life i think kids would just love it there's also an awesome grandmother who of course she hits everything with her cane. Like, she shows up in the first scene. She's hitting the door with her cane. Like, she Nice. Just, I love her so much. Um, there's also a reference to Rock and Roll Ralphs, which is where they buy all their chocolate chips. And anyone who's ever lived in the L.A. area will appreciate that reference because Rock and Roll Ralphs is kind of famous. Cookies and Milk, it just came out this year, 2022. I highly recommend it. It is so fun. It sounds like a
1: great idea. Again, see, here we are in the 70s and it's considered historical I fiction. That's I troubling. think your
0: boys would love this. Well, that was why I didn't think it was historical fiction because I just got in this book because I thought it looked amazing. And then I was like, oh, I oh, guess I could use it for pick it six is. because yeah, it is. Yeah, right? Yeah. I think your boys would really like this book because the, the voice is so fun. It's just so cute. Cookies and Milk by Sean Amos. Adorable. Um, the last one I had for pick six was I, I don't know, I might have talked about this one before. It's not brand new, but it's called Pies from Nowhere by D. Ramito. You actually had sent me this book because you thought I would like it. It's actually a picture book. I'm breaking the rules a little bit here, but you know, and you've talked I agree and you've talked about this how picture books are really great to use in the classroom at yeah. any age. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you're trying to talk about a serious topic or you want to introduce kids to a new historical figure because it's like a little short. Package, right? Short story. So, yeah, I wanted to include this book here um, because it's kind of been on my list for a long time. I was just like happy to have a reason to get it because I thought I could use it here. So, it came out in 2018. Um, It's about Georgia Gilmore, and she is a little known figure in the civil rights movement. She organized people to bake and cook for fundraisers to make money for gas and other supplies needed by the civil rights movement. And when people asked her where the money or the baked goods came from, she always said, nowhere.
1: That's brilliant.
0: Isn't that awesome? So she was the only one who knew who was helping and kind of acted as a point person and organizer for the work, but she never said who was helping her do this, which was so cool. I just love this book because it's a great intro into an important part of American history. And it's a a wonderful peek at this amazing woman, Georgia Gilmore. But it also shows that heroes don't have to be center stage. Everyone is capable of playing a part to make our country a better place, no matter how big or small. And I feel like sometimes you know, you want to do something. But you don't have
1: that power. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Oh, what can I do? You know, what could I possibly do? I'm just one tiny person without like a big platform or without a big voice or whatever. But honestly, you never know what little things are going to help the movement. Like this woman's making pies and that allowed people to keep going, right? Yeah. I mean, pies, that's the other thing about this book. I mean, I love pies, so. That's awesome.
1: Hashtag, this is why I'm fat. I love a good pie.
0: <laughs> I love pies. So Pies from Nowhere by D. Romito is my last pick. So let's That's see a good
1: know. one, too. And look at you. You were all like in, this, in the last 50 years, too. Those I are was. no throwback historical fiction.
0: I, I like was. That. I know I'm surprised. Like 1914 was as far back as I went. So I had Dar- Daring Darlene, Queen of the Screen, Cookies and Milk, and Pies from Nowhere. I must have been hungry, actually.
1: You must have been.
0: I will say the Cookies and Milk one, I was... I honestly was like, I need to stop reading this book and go make chocolate chip cookies because it is so, like it makes you want chocolate chip cookies like right now.
1: So. I mean, I, I basically, the wind can blow and I want a chocolate chip cookie, so that's probably not good for me.
0: <laughs> and I mean, pies too. I love to make pies. So I, this is the time of year when I make all my pies. So I'm kind of excited.
1: Time for apple almost, almost. Yes. Well, we are on a hayride, on a historical hayride. Well, it's <laughs> funny that you chose all historical fiction. Well, majority of historical fiction right. from the last 50 years, because that's what I figured out. <laughs> if the historical fiction happens in the last 50 years, then I'm interested. Okay. So that's how I found my my, uh, my new jam. So I have three books. My first one is called Marika Marches for Equality. Oh, and that yeah. came out in January of 22. And it's by Salima Alikon. Andrea Rosetto also was the illustrator. And this is sort of a lower middle grade book, which I think is epic. Mm-hmm. And this is about Marika, who's in middle school, and she and her friend Beth are passionate about women's rights, and they want to support the rally mm-hmm. or join the national rally to support the, um, the ERA. But okay. it's 1970, and the uh, Equal Rights Movement has a lot of resistance and a lot of people that don't want it, including Marika's parents. So Beth's parents are really behind the, everything, but Marika's not so much, mm-hmm. and um, they want things to remain the way they are. And as they get close to the women's strike for equality, Marika is trying to convince her parents to support her, but maybe, maybe not. So I think that's kind of an interesting look at it. I have this fascination lately, and maybe all old people go through this. I'm not sure. But I am fascinated with understanding things that happened when we were kids. Oh, yeah. That were of like great significance. Like, I just watched a huge documentary, huge documentary on uh, Three Mile Island because we were like four or five when it was going down. And I wanted to understand, like you always hear people like all through your childhood and even for, you know, like into our teenagers, they always make reference to like Three Mile Island or, or, you know, Chernobyl or things like that. We, But you didn't quite get it at the time because you were just a kid. So I I like to go back and I don't know, this is my new fascination. I like to go back and revisit it. So I want to read this book because I kind of feel like we were not quite the beneficiaries of the, of the Equal Rights Amendment. But we got a lot of perks out of it. We also got a lot of like, no, you have to be a woman with a job out of it, too. Wow, that's so I want to kind of go back and revisit that from a historical perspective. And this sounds like a great book. So that's Marika Marches for Equality. And that's by Salima Khan and Andrea Rosetto.
0: You know when you were talking about revisiting things from our childhood I was just thinking about the Berlin Wall and now I see that's funny right? that's my second book so <laughs> okay. actually my second book and
1: my third book are together because I found this new series of books by Andy Marino Ooh. that I'm really ordering for my boys for Christmas so the first one is called Escape from East Berlin and that came out just uh last Friday <laughs> it came out on September 9th in 2022 and it, it's about like, it's these are all historical thrillers, which again, cool. hello. And they're very fast paced, a lot of action. This is about two different attempts to cross the Berlin wall. And one of them is in December of 1961 when Marta sees it going up and she wants to get out before, Ooh, it's, you know, like she's trying to cool get out.
0: Concept. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then again, the second one happens in, is a takes place in January of 1989 and now it's this giant spray painted wall, concrete wall that divides the city. And Kurt, a young uh, East Berliner, wants to see what's on the other side and why did every, understand sort of why does everyone hate East Germany and why has he been instructed to hate them? Marta's going over the wall from East to West and um, Kurt is going from West to East
0: fascinating right what a yeah. great concept
1: so i'm really jazzed about that one and then the second one of that which is my second book and that's also or my third book which is also andy marino is called escape from chernobyl now you know i have a sick fascination with chernobyl
0: yes you do
1: i cannot understand the concept enough i cannot i there's a if you if you like myself share my fascination with chernobyl there is um i think it's called the women of chernobyl it's a documentary on amazon prime about all the old women that went back to their land and somehow didn't die. All the men died, but the women live on. It's a really great documentary. They went back and they farm their land and they live there and the government takes care of them and does radiation checks. They're all glowing in the dark, but they're still alive. You know, they're Hmm. still living because they had nothing to live for if they left, you know? Anyway. So this book is Alina and love are two siblings in prepot. That's where. That's the city that, that it was in, right? And it's still the Soviet Union at that time. And they are sleeping in their beds. And then we flash to Yuri, who's their cousin, and he's a custodian at Chernobyl. And there's a spill in the hallway that he's trying to take care of. Dun, dun, dun! A spill in the hallway he's trying to attack. And then there's Alina's best friend, who's she sits a few doors down. And her father's at work, and he's an engineer. And things are not going so well. And then in five minutes, reactor four blows. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! So we
1: take it like we're taking it from all these ships. I know, right? I ordered it yesterday. I'm going to (laughs) read it before I even give it to them. Um, So all these things happen, or you know, like we're in four, three different places at one time, and then boom, what happens? And then you know they have to flee. This is where it gets really interesting. The story in itself of them all fleeing and trying to build a new life and the people that are injured that's enough for me but then andy marino adds a whole nother level and they they're fleeing with their parents but the communist party is after them and then the friends and the family they're forced to leave behind they have to try to there there's a disinformation campaign that's smearing the people that fled and right. they kind of have to figure out what's what's right, what's wrong. And the, the disinformation campaign is also telling them that everything's fine. There's no, no radiation in the air. No. Dun, dun, dun. We all know what's in there. We all know. We all know that now you have three heads. But so I am so, this one came out in December of 2021. He's got some other great ones in there, but those are the two that really, like really struck me. He's got, I think he's got a, the one about Hitler. Um, there might be something else in World War II, somewhere in that zone too, but the Chernobyl, oh, come on now. And the Berlin Wall hmm I'm there. I'm really psyched. And I feel like that the more recent, especially like Chernobyl, um, as it's in the news again, I feel like that modern history is so really important because a lot of people forget all the horrors that came with nuclear energy. They're like, oh no, we should probably bring that back again. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. There's there's a lot of uh, of difficulties there. So yeah, that's my three. I'm psyched. I, I, you got me on that one. I'm not a historical fiction gal, but if you put it in like the 80s, the 70s, or 80s, I'm I'm in. I like it <laughs> because it's still modern to me.
0: Bet, yeah, <laughs> right. It doesn't feel like historical fiction. Doesn't feel
1: historical at all. So.
0: <laughs> for those of us who were there, so that was good. Yeah, we had some good ones. Yeah, that was fun. See, it's not so bad.
1: It's not so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad.
0: So what's on deck for our next episode? Oh,
1: finally, we go back to where I want to be. We're going to sci-fi.
0: Yay. I love sci-fi too. So (laughs) I know
1: I'm so excited. I'm reading Maximilian fly by Angie Sage, which is um, very much like Kafka's metamorphosis. There's a giant cockroach person. I love a cockroach person. I love a cockroach person. Can I just say, I mean, (laughs) Kafka's metamorphosis is my all time favorite short story ever, which is probably says a lot about who I am. I did it as a middle school play once set to the music of Metallica.
0: (laughs) No, you did not. I totally
1: did. I totally did. With a bunch of seventh and eighth graders dancing to Metallica and reciting the lines from Kafka. How did I have a job? <laughs> how did I have a job for years? And not only did I have a job, they thought I was so brilliant that the Philadelphia Inquirer did an article on me. You know why the Philadelphia In- Inquirer did an article on me? Because they were like, how does this woman have a job?
0: How does this woman have a job? <laughs> no, because you're creative awesomely different creative time, and cool and kids probably loved it that's it was, awesome they did
1: uh, those kids are still all in my I, in, they, they're always busting into my dms those little cockroaches still and they're 30 <laughs> something now anyway how did
0: i have a job <laughs> eh. <laughs> that's awesome so that's what i'm reading what are you reading i'm reading treks by christine morrell and Trex is, a main, is the main character, and he has a brain implant that saved his life. <laughs>
1: oh, I really thought it was like going to be about dinosaurs.
0: I thought it was too, actually. <laughs> okay. And his parents own an evil brain hacking corporation.
1: Oh my god, that sounds like my kind of book. That's like I'm all over that. That that sounds like my kind of book too. Okay, can I just tell you though, like from one other thing before we go, because you know why not? We read those books uh, like an eco sci-fi last year or mm-hmm. something about. I, mean, I don't know how many different books we've read where plants start growing and taking oh, yes, over. Yes,
0: yes, yeah,
1: and I cannot still like we've and over some of them we've read like two years ago I was on my driveway like fighting with this invasive vine that is everywhere and all I can think (laughs) of is like it's trying to kill me it's going to come alive in the night in the sleep and it's going to engulf my house and kill my family I have to get these vines out I have to win so you know you have to be careful when you read sci-fi because it does (laughs) get into your head stays with you (laughs) and and not out and with that being said it's now time for me to go catch up on um you know Planet of the Apes, my latest (laughs) obsession, because I decided that I need to watch every single episode from Charlton Heston to present. So Hmm. that's my jam right now. You damn dirty apes, get your hands off me.
0: I did that one time. This is so silly, but I did it with Bewitched. I (laughs) went back and found (laughs) all the everything that it was based on a book from like the 1950s. And I read the book, and then I read the next book that was kind of evolved. And then that and then that next book was the one that they used for the TV series and then I watched the whole TV series. Yes, oh. I'm reading the Planet of the Apes book. It all started
1: because my son was like, "Oh, what is this?" and I'm like, "Oh my god, they used to terrify me as a kid." And we ended up watching the Tim Burton version and then the obsession has just ballooned out of control. I had to go back and get the book. And then I had to start, like I had to start at the beginning. And oh my God, Charlton Heston was a sexist pig. And you just like, it makes you so angry. You're like, Oh, she's just a woman. At least I taught a woman how to speak. (gasps) Oh, shut up. You know, she's smarter than you. But anyway, I digress by the scantily clad woman. But it's still interesting to watch. And my family is like, what are all of these things saved into our, uh, uh, like in our library? And I'm like, shut up and don't touch them. Shut up. (laughs) Don't touch them until I'm done with them. I'll delete them when I'm this ready. This is
0: why we're friends because we both go like down these crazy rabbit holes. Right. God forbid to just like watch one
1: it. episode of something. You know <laughs> why would I do that when I could watch everything from 1968 to 19 or, to 2020
0: and read everything associated with it.
1: Right. Oh anyway. My gosh.
0: Yeah. So if you're still
1: with us, you better buckle up for next week. let Let me tell you what. You better buckle up because the freaks come out at night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh! So I guess that wraps up our historical fiction episode of Tula Mama's podcast. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. I thought we had some more reviews on there, so that's we good. did.
1: Yeah, and if you don't <laughs> write us a good review, I will send Charlton Heston's apes after you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she knows She knows where they originate. I, I know how
1: this happens. I know. And I'm not even going to send the ones with the bad rubber masks. I'm going to wait till we get a little further down into the 70s where they use latex on their face. Scarier ones.
0: Oh, and if you want to join us twice a month for kidlit discussions, please subscribe to the Two Lit Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts.
1: And if you want to find out what's happening in our worlds and how many episodes I'm on, the Planet of the Apes, just follow us on Tulip Mamas podcast on Instagram or Tulip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, www.tulipmamas.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.